Hey everyone, I'm John Steele, and this is After Four, a podcast for InterVarsity alumni. Life after college is hard, and even a great experience with your InterVarsity chapter doesn't shield you from the challenges of transition. As we hear stories from real alumni learning how to make it in their post-InterVarsity reality, my hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is After Four, the podcast for InterVarsity alumni, and I'm your host, John Steele. If it sounds like I'm speaking a little quieter than normal, that's probably because I am. This is a bit of a late-night covert operation trying to get this episode wrapped up. I'm currently in what will be my office for a time at our new house. That's right. If you've been listening along over the last few episodes, I've been giving updates on our new place, and we are officially moved. But it's nearly midnight. My wife and daughter are asleep. I think, and I haven't yet done a full test of how well these walls hold up to sound. So for now, I'll pretend it's rabbit season and be very quiet. Uh, That was a Looney Tunes reference if I lost anyone there. Anywho, I'm really excited to kick off this episode. This week, you get to listen in on my conversation with Steve, a pastor in the Twin Cities here in Minnesota. I think you'll be able to tell just from listening, but he's a great friend of mine. He was one of my pastors for a number of years, and I actually had the chance to serve alongside him as the worship director in our congregation for a while. He's seriously been one of the most influential people in my life for learning what it looks like to love and follow Jesus with my whole life. I still have a long way to go, but I'm deeply indebted to him for his influence. And he's just a fun guy. You'll hear us cutting up quite a bit as we go along. Hopefully it translates. It was just too fun to leave it all on the cutting room floor. Aside from getting a laugh, I hope, I really think this episode will be a benefit to anyone struggling to get connected to a church. Steve gives some incredibly practical advice, and I hope you'll find it helpful. Additionally, there are a few moments when Steve gives a look behind the curtain into the life and mind of a pastor. If you ever wondered what it was like to be your pastor, hopefully this will give you a glimpse and help all of us have a little more grace and compassion for them. That's enough for me. Enjoy my chat with Steve. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, John. It's good to be here. I'm happy to have you here. Steve, tell us just a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so I am an adult ministries and groups pastor in the Twin Cities area and involved with overseeing our different small groups and helping to find curriculum for them and then also helping to foster and care for our different adult ministries, basically those who are 18 through adulthood. We'll get there in just a little bit, but I'm excited to hear just a little bit about some of your experience with young adults, in particular people that are in a post-college or very recently post-college experience and some of the challenges that they face and challenges that the church faces as well, learning how to not just coexist, but thrive together in that space. And we'll get there. But as we do with all of our InterVarsity alumni, I like to hear a little bit about the good old days. So tell me, what did you study when you were in school and when did you graduate? I've had kind of a lengthy time of schooling at different (laughs) places. So I went to Normandale Community College in Bloomington, Minnesota for my general credits. And I studied small business management and field biology. And then that's where I was involved with InterVarsity and then went on to Northwestern College, now University of Northwestern St. Paul for my 
bachelor's in biblical studies, and then on to the Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky for a master's in Christian ministry. And tell me, the time that you spent studying field biology at Normandale, is that where all of your extreme <laughs> knowledge of every bird in the state of Minnesota and <laughs> every plant, is that where that comes from? Uh, in part. For those who are watching, John has watched me pick up things and eat them <laughs> off of trees and out of yards, and I'm a little strange that way. So, <laughs> And in several other ways, but <laughs> as we all are. Okay, so then tell me the story about how you got plugged into InterVarsity. Well, going to Normandale, trying to find a place to belong. You know, you're going into college for the first time and poking around and finding out what are you interested in and how do you fit in this new place? And so I'd go to the college center and study there. And I noticed there was this big group of people that would hang out in the college center. This group seemed really tight knit and really liked hanging out with each other. And one of them came over one day and named Michael and said, hey, we're in a varsity Christian fellowship, what would you think about coming and joining us for a meeting? And being a believer, feeling that call and tug toward ministry, but kind of finding my way, it was like, yeah. So I started attending meetings and got plugged in with a number of friends. And so really felt at home there. So you're just sitting in this place and there's this group meeting and somebody just comes over and invites you to be a part of the group. I'd love to know what it's like to be a natural gatherer and inviter, not my strong suit whatsoever. Thank goodness for people like Michael. So tell me a story or a story or two about something that was particularly meaningful or just very memorable about your time with InterVarsity. So we started to do a lot of life together. We'd go play Nintendo 64 at that time. Nice. That dates Golden me. Eye. <laughs> yeah, GoldenEye, you know it. And then uh, we'd go and do retreats together. So some really memorable times. So there were just these different opportunities where we could get away, take some time, get into the word together, talk life. How do we apply these things? You know, the, the stuff of life and uh, doing that together was really cool. Going through your couple of years with InterVarsity, but then you have multiple stages in your education of transitioning from one school to the next to the next. As you're making those transitions, both away from InterVarsity and then your eventual total graduation from school, did you have expectations for what these transitions were going to be like and what was reality like? Yeah. So I guess I tend to be a bit of an idealist. I don't know that I set definite expectations. It's got to look like this, but you kind of get that pie in the sky viewpoint of how things are going to look in the future. And it usually doesn't end up quite that way. I've been very fortunate that some of my friends from Normandale University have stayed friends. We're talking about 20-ish years now. Um, yeah, boy, that, yeah, I'm old. Um, <laughs> we've stayed friends and are still involved in each other's lives. And that's pretty awesome. We've been purposeful about maintaining those friendships. As I transitioned away from Normandale and InterVarsity, because there wasn't a chapter at University of Northwestern St. Paul, and there wasn't one down at Southern, 
there, there was something that was lost, definitely. And honestly, my focus had to become far more academic. It was a wildly different experience at Northwestern where I had hundreds of pages due by first day. Then you go on to seminary and there was one semester I had 9,000 pages of reading for one class, by the way. It was crazy. So <laughs> that's brutal. <laughs> it was. And so, yeah, I didn't have time for a lot of the extra curriculars and the hangouts that I did at first. And then moving out of college and seminary, the infrequence of being able to have that kind of community really hit hard. Whether you're at InterVarsity or you're at seminary, you're still kind of in the life of ideas. You get together, you go out to lunch, you have dinners with people, you, you talk about life, theology, faith, you know, all these things. There's that richness to it. And then you move out from that and it's like that all goes away and you have to fight to find it. And that was different than expected. Yeah, much harder to find those places where you can connect with people on a deep, consistent level. So continuing to draw this line from there to your experiences as a pastor, even that experience of far less time when you stepped into cemetery, <laughs> cemetery. Ah, oh, <laughs> Freudian slip there, my friend. <laughs> See, this is why we edit. <laughs> I don't think you should edit that out. That, oh that's awesome. Gosh. All right. Take two. Um, <laughs> when you stepped into seminary, and the change in the space in your schedule and the rhythm of life there as far as engaging with community versus the amount of time needed for nose in the book, prepping, learning, uh, work to be done. Does that carry on into the life of a pastor or has that shifted to where you have more space for deeper levels of community? Coming out of seminary and going into ministry, I was surprised, I guess, that that actually became an even bigger struggle and an even bigger fight to try to maintain. There's so much of the administrative, there's so much of the just day-to-day -day operational kind of thing in ministry that you can really get separated from the very people that you're trying to serve. And so I think most people don't really realize that, but there's a lot that pastors are doing behind the scenes just to even make a Sunday morning happen. And then there are funerals and there are other extra things. And there's the fight to try to keep the life of the mind and to read and to grow as an individual and as a pastor to be a good shepherd, following the good shepherd. And then also, how do we maintain life with people? And that is something that I think is really hard for a lot of pastors. I think a lot of pastors feel kind of lonely. I think they feel separated from the very people that they're trying to serve. There are these funky layers that can sometimes get set up. I think sometimes the moral falls that we see um, is because there isn't close relationship and accountability and digging into the life of the body that we would ask the people in our congregations to do. And that was sort of natural when you were involved with InterVarsity. Well, I would imagine when you're in InterVarsity as a peer with other people, you're, and you're at a very similar stage of life, that you're on sort of a level playing field with many of those people as far as sharing life, the good and the bad and the ugly. But then when you're a pastor, I imagine that there's a significant level of 
maybe I would even call it hero worship that can go on of this is a pastor. This is a person who knows the Bible inside and out. They do everything right all the time. And it feels almost like this, this pedestal that people are put on. So then as you're talking about your own faith development and what it looks like to engage with the congregation after these different phases of life, I'd love to hear more from a pastor's perspective who has spent time working with young adults and people beyond that stage as well, who are experiencing some of these same things, maybe not through the lens of a pastor, but who are figuring out what does it look like for me to keep growing in my faith and how do I engage well with a congregation? Because something that I'm learning as I'm having these conversations with people, it sounds to me that a lot of young people in particular, post-college, post-university, even people who are motivated to follow Jesus, and then all across the spectrum are really struggling when it comes to connecting with a church and feeling like a part of that church. Is that something that you've seen? And if so, from your conversations and your experience, do you have some insight on what it is that's making that difficult for people? Yeah, those are really awesome questions. Yes, I do see that. I see that a lot. Sometimes there's this gap, even for believing people who've gone through college, they've been involved with a Christian organization on campus, and then they leave college and suddenly that support structure, that faith community, everything that they found on campus has gone away. They've graduated. They may move for a job and now they're alone. And they may try to find a church and the church may have a young adults or young professionals ministry and they may not. And my heart goes out to those people. And I think there's a lot of things that go into that. On the church's side, on the paraministry side, and on the individual side. And so I'd love to break that down as briefly as I can. On the individual side, I think we're being trained in a culture that has told us it's all about us. And so whether we mean to or not, we can become consumeristic about our faith and about how we experience Jesus and the context in which we do that, i.e. church or even paraministry. So, you know, when we go to a campus, you had InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, you had navigators, you had crew, you had a batch of different faith-based organizations on campus and did an awesome job of trying not to compete with each other and to try to be like, I want to speak highly of this other ministry. We're in this together. It's about discipleship and raising up souls. But there is still this sort of like options, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And people sort of choose, and well, what's the flavor of this one? And I might hop between the different ones in order to find the thing that I'm looking for. And not all of that is inherently bad. It's just we've been trained to approach our faith community that way. And so when we find the thing on campus, that can become our full expression of involvement in a faith family. And then it becomes a little unnatural. You really need to be involved in a church. Get to know people at different age groups. Serve in your local church body. Get known. Allow people to speak into your life there. And then come here too and, and be part of this because you're introducing people to the reality of the local church for better or for worse, but it's going to feel very different from your experience on campus. 
on the other side of things, so I'm going to look at the church side of things, I think sometimes there's been a competitive spirit toward para ministries and going like, oh, they're pulling away from us, or we'll just give up to them what we could be doing discipleship-wise here. Sure, they're the experts in campus ministry, so let's just funnel resources to them to do it. Right. So then we're not training our people in churches to raise up the next generation. And so when that next generation finally does come in, whether that's right out of college or maybe in college, then there's nobody to mentor them. And I hear that all the time of younger people saying, where are the older people who will speak into our lives? I'm suddenly struggling in how to raise my own children. I'm struggling in how to handle my job and stay a believer while in an antagonistic circumstance. And it's sort of like, well, we've trained people not to do that. And so there's a consumerism that really goes across all the generations that make it about me and not about the other. And so I know that sounds like I'm bagging on people here, and that's not really how I mean it, but there are places where we can grow. Let me just say, I agree that all of this is for the sake of honoring and wanting to encourage people into next steps, Uh, because it can be so easy to step out of a context that feels familiar like InterVarsity or another campus ministry and to go check out the local church or multiple local churches and say like, it doesn't check the boxes for me. And so I'm going to check out the next one, the next one, the next one. And then none of them are InterVarsity or fill in the blank campus ministry. And people can just get frustrated and then say, well, I'm just done. And I guess church just isn't really a helpful thing for me. And that's really sad because we believe that The church is the vehicle that God has chosen for accomplishing his purposes. So I would be interested to know, what would you recommend for people who are listening to this, who are feeling that sense of, I cannot figure out how to get plugged in. I don't know what to do. And I'm frustrated from striking out so many times. So first of all, I'd like to challenge people to be aware of some of the times where we're being consumeristic, where we go, oh, I only want the place that already has this provided or has staffers who are focused on that thing, and they're going to do all that work for me. The reality is if everybody approached it that way, no ministry would ever be done. When you're entering into the church life, come with a let's do this together attitude and recognize there will be challenges. Some ideas you may have might get initially shot down or it might have to be compromised with somebody else's or we've got to figure out how it fits within the context of the larger church vision. That doesn't mean that your suggestion is bad. It just means we have to consider all of these different things that are happening all at once and how different ministries function together. And so if we kind of keep those things in mind and we come in with a willingness to go, okay, I'm willing to compromise to an extent and I'd love to be involved, then there's, it's going to be much easier to get involved, to become part of the community. And then my second suggestion is really fight hard to be known, which means getting to know other people. What I tell our older people is look for people to actively mentor. I say to our younger people, look for people you can be mentored by. And you know, in some cases, I've found older people are not always able to mentor well, and some of our younger people are. You know, maybe young person coming out of 
an on-campus ministry, you've been discipled, you've been mentored well, you've been taught how to divide scripture well, you're applying these things to your life, and you're coming into a context where that's a challenge for some people. Maybe you're the one to keep your head on the swivel for people that you can mentor of differing ages. Now, do that with humility, do it with uh, love and care, and not just like, I know everything, like the young seminarian who, uh, <laughs> you know, and come in with some humility and recognize that there are things you can learn from them too. We talked earlier about people trying to check off boxes for the churches that they're in. How would you help people in making discernments of, is this a congregation that foundationally I can agree with and the places that I disagree or that I don't like, are those worth sticking around and just sort of powering through with the congregation as they're figuring out how they do ministry? Or are those things that are worth moving on to the next church? What are helpful ways for making that decision for do I stay or do I go? Yeah, so I, I have a pretty robust view of that because as somebody in ministry, as you're getting hired into a church, all of those things are really important. We need to recognize that a church is not necessarily, or at least shouldn't be a monolith, meaning it, it shouldn't just, you know, we determined our exact stances on everything we were going to do 50 years ago, and we're going to stick with that. Because context changes, because society changes, the culture around us changes, we necessarily have to change not what we hold to doctrinally necessarily, but our expression of that, the how to do that into the world. So just recognize, first of all, that when you're checking out a church, where they're at in the moment that you check them out, there's been a process to get there, and there's going to be a movement forward from there. As you become part of that church, you can be part of the thing that moves us. And that has a lot to do with the attitudes of the staff. It has a lot to do with the attitudes of the congregation. So that should right there tell us figuring out the attitude and the ethos of the church is important. Who makes the decisions? How are they made? What's the process? Will help you to know if you can become part of this church and be part of moving it along in a healthy, godly direction. Next thing is, for yourself, as far as agreement, hopefully the church has their statement of faith on their website, how a church holds to their doctrinal statement and how they actually put it into practice is sometimes different than what you might expect. So it's important then to go in and visit get a feel for worship, get a feel for their sermons, how the pastor preaches, get a feel for maybe how the congregation relates to each other and with you, but then go to whatever they've got for new people as soon as you can, and then ask questions. Look at that statement of faith. Do you already agree with all those things? Do you have any questions about how that's put into practice in the life of the body? Write down questions, bring them to that class, and then ask those things and see how they answer them and see if they hem and haw and get tense and, you know, <laughs> or whatever. A lot can be said without being said. So be mindful of what you're seeing online. Be mindful of what you're sensing when you go into a place. You don't want to be overly critical. Like I said, all churches are in progress and Sometimes there are extenuating circumstances for not doing everything perfectly. 
So have some grace, but ask good questions that make people kind of stop, think, and, and answer more fully. Wow, that's really helpful. I would also add to that, if you do find a place that you say, I think we're committed to being here, my recommendation would be find a place to volunteer as soon as you can. One, because the church needs you. It doesn't matter if that church has 10,000 people going to it or not. Your church needs you just as much as you need your church. And it doesn't have to be like, so I lead worship. Step one for me does not need to be getting on the worship team. At our current church, my first place of serving was greeting at the door. And that was it. It was fun because I got to do it with my whole family. And it was the first time that all three of us had served together in this very simple way. It does not require some extensive skill set to do. Volunteering doesn't have to be this all right, what is the deepest level of commitment that I can find? It may be something as simple as holding the door open for someone and that that's what starts getting you connected to what's going on in this church and getting a feel for what it looks like to be a participating member of the church. Previous church experiences, it took me a long time before I got plugged in. And guess what? It took me a long time as a result to feel like a part of that church. But once I started getting plugged into these places, you start developing relationships at a different level. And with your pastors as well. That's what's really cool. It just creates more opportunities for face-to-face -face time with your pastors, which is not the only thing that's important, but it is important to actually get to know your pastors. So anybody that's volunteering or thinking about volunteering at the church, what you are doing or what you would be doing matters. Not only on a Sunday morning, but long after people walk out the doors, you are a part of bringing people in and sending them out well. And that's huge part of what we're doing in our local congregations. I feel like we've already given a lot of really tangible, helpful information for people. But as we're thinking about, in particular, people that are just a few years out of graduation here, or maybe somebody that's just getting ready to graduate at the end of the semester who could be listening to this, is there anything that you would tell someone who is in that phase of life that you wish you had known Listen when people give you the warnings about it being different than you expect it to be. It will be harder to make money than you expect. It will be harder to get into community than you expect. It will be harder to serve than you expect. There will be more challenges than you expect, but it will also be richer than you expect. As many of the challenges that you will face, you will find a depth and a joy, if you're intentional, to find it. You will find those things and it will make all the difference in the world to you. And you will maybe hold on to smaller things than you were hoping for, but you'll hold on to them more dearly and they'll mean more to you. And when you're faithful with those and you value those rightly, the Lord increases them and they branch out into different ways than you could have ever possibly imagined. And it's pretty amazing to see. Man, that's a good word. Thanks a lot, Steve. Believe it or not, people listening, these are the kind of conversations that Steve and I just have like all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I really do believe that the friendship that I have with Steven is it with Steven. I didn't, I didn't, if I called you Steven, it was not on purpose. The kind of friendship that I have with you is is possible for people to have with the leaders in their church. And it really is just a matter of pursuing real life friendship with the people around them. Man, it makes your church experience so much more joyful when you realize that you are 
able to connect with other people who are experiencing a lot of the same things that you are. So Steve, thanks so much for being a part of this journey with us for giving your words of wisdom and life experience. Well, thank you, John. It really was a joy. I really appreciate it. So thanks. Wow. That was a blast and so helpful. Sometimes I think the most helpful advice is the simplest. How do I get connected to my church? You show up, you make yourself known, you find small ways to get involved as soon as possible. It really is simple, but I know that simple isn't always easy. Simple can still be awkward. It can still be painful. It can still be inconvenient. But if you're willing to wade into those things, you will start to find yourself in the midst of something meaningful. It might not be what you were expecting or even hoping for. I'm willing to bet it might actually be better than that. And it just might be exactly what you and your church needed. It's good stuff, Steve. Thank you. And there was so much more you all didn't get to hear. One of these days, I'm really going to have to do an episode or two of all the great thoughts our guests provided that just couldn't make it into the episode. We have some really wise people joining us on this show. Speaking of which, be sure to tune in next week for my chat with Phoebe, an alum from Bemidji State University. Phoebe shares what it was like to be an international student navigating post-college life and how the training she received in evangelism has come in handy in her professional life. No spoilers, but some of the people she shared the gospel with have turned out to be pretty important fixtures in her life. Hey, if you want to make sure you don't miss my chat with Phoebe or any other future episodes, why not follow or subscribe to the podcast and turn on notifications for whatever app you use? Remembering is hard. Let the phone do it for you. And shameless plug. Hey, I'm looking forward to catching you next week. Until then, see you next time, alumni. <laughs>